0: Chapter 2 of Toby Tyler or Ten Weeks with a Circus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tom Lennon. Toby Tyler or Ten Weeks with a Circus by James Otis. Chapter 2 Toby Runs Away from Home. Toby could scarcely restrain himself at the prospect of this golden future that had so suddenly opened before him. He tried to express his gratitude, but could only do so by evincing his willingness to commence work at once. No, no, that won't do, said Mr. Lord cautiously. If your Uncle Daniel should see you working here, he might mistrust something, and then you couldn't get away. I don't believe he'd try to stop me, said Toby confidently. For he's told me lots of times that it was a sorry day for him when he found me. We won't take any chances, my son, was the reply in a very benevolent tone, as he patted Toby on the head, and at the same time handed him a piece of pasteboard. There's a ticket for the circus, and you come around to see me about ten o'clock tonight." I'll put you in one of the wagons, and by tomorrow morning your Uncle Daniel will have hard work to find you. If Toby had followed his inclinations, the chances are that he would have fallen on his knees and kissed Mr. Lord's hands in the excess of his gratitude. But not knowing exactly how such a show of thankfulness might be received, he contented himself by repeatedly promising that he would be punctual to the time and place appointed. He would have loitered in the vicinity of the candy-stand in order that he might gain some insight into the business, but Mr. Lord advised that he remain away, lest his uncle Daniel should see him, and suspect where he had gone when he was missed in the morning. As Toby walked around the circus grounds, whereon was so much to attract his attention, he could not prevent himself from assuming an air of proprietorship. His interest in all that was going on was redoubled, and his anxiety that everything should be done correctly and in the proper order, he actually, and perhaps for the first time in his life, forgot that he was hungry. He was really to travel with a circus, to become a part, as it were, of the whole, and to be able to see its many wonderful and beautiful attractions every day. Even the very tent-ropes had acquired a new interest for him, and the faces of the men at work seemed suddenly to have become those of friends. How hard it was for him to walk around unconcernedly, and how especially hard to prevent his feet from straying towards that tempting display of dainties which he was to sell to those who came to see and enjoy, and who would look at him with wonder and curiosity. It was very hard not to be allowed to tell his playmates of his wonderfully good fortune. But silence meant success, and he locked his secret in his bosom, not even daring to talk with anyone he knew, lest he should betray himself by some incautious word. He did not go home to dinner that day, and once or twice he felt impelled to walk past the candy-stand, giving a mysterious shake of the head at the proprietor as he did so. The afternoon performance passed off as usual to all of the spectators, save Toby. He imagined that each one of the performers knew that he was about to join them, and even as he passed the cage containing the monkeys, he fancied that one particularly old one knew all about his intention of running away. Of course, It was necessary for him to go home at the close of the afternoon's performance in order to get one or two valuable articles of his own, such as a boat, a kite, and a pair of skates, and in order that his actions might not seem suspicious. Before he left the grounds, however, he stole slyly around to the candy stand and informed Mr. Job Lord, in a very hoarse whisper, that he would be on hand at the time appointed. Mr. Lord patted him on the head, gave him two large sticks of candy, and, what was more kind and surprising, considering the fact that he wore glasses and was cross-eyed, he winked at Toby. A wink from Mr. Lord must have been intended to convey a great deal, because, owing to the defect in his eyes, it required no little exertion, and even then could not be considered as a really first-class wink. That wink, distorted as it was, gladdened Toby's heart immensely, and took away nearly all the sting of the scolding with which Uncle Daniel greeted him when he reached home. That night, despite the fact that he was going to travel with the circus, despite the fact that his home was not a happy or cheerful one, Toby was not in a pleasant frame of mind. He began to feel for the first time that he was doing something wrong. AND AS HE GAZED AT UNCLE DANIEL'S STERN, FORBIDDING-LOOKING FACE, IT SEEMED TO HAVE CHANGED SOMEWHAT FROM ITS SEVERITY, AND CAUSED A GREAT LUMP OF SOMETHING TO COME UP IN HIS throat AS HE THOUGHT THAT PERHAPS HE SHOULD NEVER SEE IT AGAIN. JUST THEN ONE OR TWO KIND WORDS WOULD HAVE PREVENTED HIM FROM RUNNING AWAY, BRIGHT AS THE PROSPECT OF CIRCUS LIFE APPEARED it was almost impossible for him to eat anything and this very surprising state of affairs attracted the attention of uncle daniel bless my heart what ails the boy asked the old man as he peered over his glasses at toby's well-filled plate which was usually emptied so quickly are ye sick toby or what is the matter with ee i ain't sick said toby with a sigh I've been to the circus, and i got a good deal to eat. Oh-ho, you spent that cent I give ye, eh? Huh? And got so much that it made you sick. Toby thought of the six peanuts which he had bought with the penny Uncle Daniel had given him, and amid all his homesickness, he could not help wondering if Uncle Daniel ever made himself sick with only six peanuts when he was a boy. As no one paid any further attention to Toby he pushed back his plate arose from the table and went with a heavy heart to attend to his regular evening chores the cow the hens and even the pigs came in for a share of his unusually kind attention and as he fed them all the big tears rolled down his cheeks as he thought that perhaps never again would he see any of them these dumb animals had all been toby's confidants he had poured out his griefs in their ears and fancied when the world or uncle daniel had used him unusually hard that they sympathized with him now he was leaving them for and as he locked the stable door he could hear the sounds of music coming from the direction of the circus grounds and he was angry at it because it represented that which was taking him away from his home, even though it was not as pleasant as it might have been. Still, he had no thought of breaking the engagement which he had made. He went to his room, made a bundle of his worldly possessions, and crept out the back door, down the road to the circus. Mr. Lord saw him as soon as he arrived on the grounds, and as he passed another ticket to Toby, he took his bundle from him, saying as he did so, I'll pack up your bundle with my things, and then you'll be sure not to lose it. Don't you want some candy? Toby shook his head. He had just discovered that there was possibly some connection between his heart and his stomach, for his grief at leaving home had taken from him all desire for good things. It is also more than possible that Mr. Lord had had experience enough with boys to know that they might be homesick on the eve of starting to travel with a circus, and in order to make sure that Toby would keep to his engagement, he was unusually kind. That evening was the longest Toby ever knew. He wandered from one cage of animals to another, then to see the performance in the ring, and back again to see the animals in the vain hope of passing the time pleasantly. But it was no use. That lump in his throat would remain there, and the thoughts of what he was about to do would trouble him severely. The performance failed to interest him, and the animals did not attract until he had visited the monkey-cage for the third or fourth time. Then he fancied that the same venerable monkey who had looked so knowing in the afternoon was gazing at him with a sadness which could only have come from a thorough knowledge of all the grief and doubt that was in his heart there was no one around the cages and Toby got just as near to the iron bars as possible no sooner had he flattened his little pug nose against the iron than the aged monkey came down from the ring in which he had been swinging and seating himself directly in front of Toby's face looked at him most compassionately. It would not have surprised the boy just then if the animal had spoken. But as he did not, Toby did the next best thing and spoke to him. I suppose you remember that you saw me this afternoon and somebody told you that I was going to join the circus, didn't they? The monkey made no reply, though Toby fancied that he winked an affirmative answer and he looked so sympathetic that he continued confidently. Well, I'm the same feller, and I don't mind telling you that I'm awfully sorry I promised that Candyman I'd go with him. Do you know that I came near crying at the supper table tonight? And Uncle Dan'l looked real good and nice, though I never thought so before. I wish I wasn't going after all, because it, it don't seem like a good time now but i suppose i must cuz i promised and cuz the candy man has got all my things the big tears had begun to roll down toby's cheeks and as he ceased speaking the monkey reached out one little paw which toby took as earnestly as if it had been done purposely to console him you're real good you are continued toby and i hope i see you real often "'For it seems to me now, when there ain't any folks around, "'as if you was the only friend I've got in this great big world. "'It's awful when a feller feels the way I do, "'and when he don't seem to want anything to eat. "'Now, if you'll stick to me, I'll stick to you, "'and then it won't be half so bad when we feel this way.' During his speech, Toby had still clung to the little brown paw which the monkey now withdrew and continued to gaze into the boy's face the fellers all say i don't amount to anything sobbed toby and uncle Dan'l says i don't and i suppose they know but i tell you i feel just as bad now that i'm going away from all of them as if i was as good as any of them at this moment toby saw mr lord enter the tent and he knew that the summons to start was about to be given good-bye he said to the monkey as he vainly tried to take him by the hand again remember what i've told you and don't forget that toby tyler is feeling worse tonight than if he was twice as big and twice as good mr lord had come to summon him away and he now told toby that he would show him with which man he was to ride that night Toby looked another good bye at the venerable monkey, who was watching him closely, and then followed his employer out of the tent among the ropes and poles and general confusion attendant upon the removal of a circus from one place to another. End of chapter Two Recording by Tom Lennon